for your information is brought to you by Cook's Tours. The world is yours with a Cook's Tour. Ladies and gentlemen, live from coast to coast, we proudly present For Your Information with Zach and John. Do it first, do it yourself, and keep on doing it. Welcome to Four Year Inflammation, a podcast about good movies, better cocktails, and best friends. We're your hosts, Zach. And I'm John. And this week, we're going to start a two-part series called The Tale of Two Tonys, Kamate and Montana. It's a double Scarface feature. Uh, th- and this week, we're going to take a look at the pre Hays Code Scarface from 1932. But first, John, how you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, I've never been better. It's it just trapped inside my house for the most part, or just going out into the wilderness because there's nobody out there. So those are the two things I've been doing for pretty much this entire summer. <laughs> Just, uh, so, like, do you go to the wilderness just to, like, get in touch with the wilderness? Or are you going out there just because it's a different kind of depressing than your house is? Um, I do like the wilderness. I like the woods. I like being there. Uh, backpacking is a thing that I'm into. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, recently just got a new backpack. Uh, it's a big one. You know, one of those big, big, tall ones. Ooh, like one of the big boy sacks, like, where you could probably fit a small person in there? You could 100% fit a small person in this, yes. That is amazing. So, yeah. like, what what do you like? What do you do? Do you go camping, or do you just like to hike and then come back down? Uh, more recently, I've been doing day hikes. So yeah, just hike out somewhere and hike back. Um, I like to like go camping. So with backpacking, basically, you fit all of your camping stuff into your pack, and you go off into the woods. So you're on like a trail or something. You go to like a campground that you can't drive up to, so it keeps all the normies out. Ooh, this is the big boy shit. The yeah, same yeah, for, yeah. I, for I drive by like the established drive-in campgrounds here, and there's literally people that have pulled up an RV and have like a movie projector screen <laughs> on the side of their RV. I I'm mean, like, just that's stay cool. in your. It's cool, but like, you could do that in your backyard. Right, right. I understand what you're saying. However, like, I feel like you're outdoor shaming. Okay, I think that maybe this is the equivalent of going to, like, a beautiful, amazing steakhouse and ordering a cheeseburger. Like, is it gonna be a good <laughs> cheeseburger? Like, yeah, you're gonna have a good experience, but, like, why did you do that? Like, you you could have done anything. <laughs> or worse. I mean, like, I guess bringing up an RV and setting up a uh, projection would be like getting chicken fingers at a nice steakhouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some people go as far as bringing their consoles, and so they'll play, like, Super Smash Bros. on the side of this RV. I I mean, for me, like, I've done, like, all kinds of camping, and I'm, like, if I'm going to go camping, that's the kind of camping I want to do. Right. No. You see, I would rather go... I would rather hike for eight miles up mountain to a nice place where there's nobody else around than be stuck down because if, if i want to do that i could just like i don't know go into my own living room and be like oh here, here's a here's a tv i don't know I, i'm i'm I, i'm weird <laughs> you're not you're not weird man you're you're a purist you 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 want to do the purest version of whatever it is that you're doing and i get that exactly uh, i think it's very fitting for scarface today because that's exactly what tony camonte was doing he, he was just trying to stay pure to himself. Whether or not that worked out for him, I guess we're going to have to get into that. Exactly. And, you know, the thing about Italians is you can tell an awful lot about them by their favorite sandwich. You know, and I think Tony is definitely an Italian beef kind of guy. Um, He's either an Italian beef or a pastrami kind of guy. I can't tell. Maybe he likes a little spicy. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what it is about Chicago and beef. Like, I know they were, like, meatpacking capital of America mm-hmm. for a while. And that doesn't necessarily just mean beef. But I, I guess their city was destroyed by a cow kicking over a lantern at one point. So, like, maybe they hold a vendetta against <laughs> beef cows. You know, there's some other, like, famous Italians who have, like, sandwiches. You know, there's, like, um, there's like Chef Boyardi. He, he's got, like, the ravioli sandwich. You just take, that's the thing people don't know about canned raviolis. You just heat the can up, you open the can, and you dump it out onto a, a bun. Oh, yeah, and, and, then, and then you put some, like, mozzarella cheese on there. It's technically, like, a, a ravioli hero. Yeah, exactly. 
And if you want to get really fancy, you could put like, you know, little uh, still dried up bits of angel hair pasta. Like, you know, just like crunch it up, put it on top of there and make it a little crunchy. Oh, yeah. What I like to do is like to get this big like tube noodles. I think I, I don't remember what they're called. I think they're called rigatoni or whatever. They are called oh, There's rigatoni. a lot of different types of pasta, yeah. And I'll get like a cheese grater and I'll just grate the dry pasta over the top, you know. Ooh. Please don't do this. <laughs> Never. Do not do this. Never, ever do this. This is, um, a, this is a bad idea. Who else? Idea. Uh, famous Italians. The uh, the chef guy from the Chuck E. Cheese gang. He's definitely a hero sandwich guy. Um, he's probably like an Italian hero kind of guy. Like, you know, a little bit of salami, a little bit of pepperoni, a little bit of ham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some gorgonzola. Um, yeah, a little bit of bunga bunga. I don't know what that means. Look it up. We won't be disappointed. Ah, oh, all right. Italian politics are weird. Italian politics are weird. They also eat things like scungili, and that's, uh... Ah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so, like we said, before all of that bullshit, um, we are covering Scarface from 1932 today, and this is actually, for once, John, I'm going to have to join you in the shame box. Ah. I, I actually had not seen this movie in full. Until I watched it for this podcast. Which, I mean, I'm fine with learning things too. Because, I mean, I learned a lot about this movie. Just in, like, watching it and research. And also, I have to say, um, I think I like this better than the remake. Really? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've never been a big fan of the Al Pacino Scarface. It's like, it, it's almost cheesy in a way. It's very 80s. It's very, like, excess. And it's like, it's a little too much excess for me. This one feels like just enough also the fact that, like just how violent this movie is for 1932 i thought that myself and i did realize like while watching the movie that this is a pre-haze code movie yes and that has a lot to do with the content yeah it's a pre it's a pre-haze code but it's but it was released like that year span of time where it was just the haze board and they hadn't mm. enforced a code yet I see, I and see, yeah. we will get into that in a little bit. But um, this movie is also regarded as, like, one of the best gangster movies of the era. So, like, uh, it, this movie is, like, very highly regarded. Like, it's in the um, National Archives and all this other shit. So, like, the fact that no one ever talks about this version of Scarface is, like, baffling to me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I honestly didn't even know that the Scarface from the 1980s was a remake until we started approaching this as a topic for the podcast. I always knew it was because I had seen scenes from this movie. Um, specifically, like, kind of like the, the ending and um, the uh, the one scene inside of the diner where it gets shot up. Like, I'd seen those scenes a couple times, probably in film school. I can't remember. But I was like, wait, hold on. So the Al Pacino Scarface isn't even an original movie? That's why I don't even like it. Ah, I see, yeah, and then you got uh, Angels with Filthy Souls, you know, from mm -hmm. The Home Alone. <laughs> that is the purest form of gangster film. Like, did you know that they actually filmed a whole 30-minute thing for that? I didn't know it was that long. I know they made it specifically for the movie. Yeah, it's it, it's actually, um, there were rumors that it was, like, feature length, but they actually shot, like, 30 minutes of B-roll for that thing. That's hilarious. Can we get a hold of that? Um, I think it was on probably one of the Blu-ray releases. I haven't checked it out, because I always forget that it exists. But yeah, more than just what's on the screen for that moment, it's, it's like an actual, like, movie, quote-unquote, or at least a short film. <laughs> That's, I like it. I like it. I like the, the title, Angels with Filthy Souls. That is a great, like, noir crime gangster movie title. If you were to come out with that in, like, let's say the 30s or 40s, yes. If you were going to come out with that now, it's definitely a porn title. Okay, yeah, there's that too. But, like, uh, I feel like most porn titles now are just, like, uh, big booty stepsister I'm not gonna finish that. I've, yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of that out there, and it's very, very disturbing. It's uh the um the, the stepsister thing is very strange. Um, it people just what what happened to just missionary? What did, what happened? I don't know, man. I I don't know. Maybe there's a little bit too much uh, uh a little bit of Italian. <sighs> Just cut that. That's just, I'm not even going anywhere with that. No, just, no, no, I, no, I, no, 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 no. Just say what you're going to say. Oh, yeah, you want me to finish it? 
are, are you going to say that Italians are the reason that uh, the, the the weird sex kinks are going on in the world? No, no. I think that it. I think Missionary died with the uh, infamous uh, adult film uh, Asshole Primavera, which is where two people just banged in a puddle of prego. <laughs> Yeah, so the, just everybody just stop with the weird porn. Like, I miss when there was like different websites for all of it. Like, so if you wanted to watch people in diapers fuck each other, you had a website. If you wanted some of this other weird shit, like stepsister porn, like that was its own website. Like, you know, other websites didn't bother you with other people's weird kinks. And now I feel like I'm forced to look at other people's weird kinks, like in the face. Yeah, yeah. You don't even have to be looking for it, really. You can just kind of be chilling on, like, uh, maybe, like, a less moderated forum site, like Reddit. Mm -hmm. You can just scroll on Reddit, and eventually you'll come across something you're like, there's no way. And then you look at the comment section, and it's like, oh, yep, here's where it's from. And then you go there, and you're like, how did how did this happen? How uh, how did we get here? Uh, God, any point, God has truly left us. Yeah, at, at any point, you are one link away from, like, dragon dildo porn. Yeah, or, like, entire fists inside of assholes. Anyway, this is not Scarface. We'll talk about fists no. inside of assholes that are inside of hams uh, when we get to next week. Right. But... <laughs> Oh, God. All right. I'm going to need a drink to get through all of this. Uh, John, what did you make me this week? All right. Going uh, classic again today. Something a little different. Uh, I hope you guys like rum, and I hope you like French liqueur, because there's some of that in here, too. So uh, this cocktail is called The Typewriter. Ooh. Yeah, for obvious reasons, if you hadn't figured that one out yet. So uh, ingredients are as follows. There's two ounces of light rum, a half ounce of Cointreau, a half ounce of Drambouille, one ounce of lemon juice, and two dashes of orange bitters uh, you can also put a dash of simple syrup in there if you find that the finished product is just a little bit too tart for you okay yeah so uh you're gonna take all those ingredients and you're gonna shake them with ice you're gonna take the large shaker and set it aside and in the small shaker you're gonna put a few slices of fresh ginger and a splash of vodka and then you're gonna muddle them together you want that uh essence of the ginger to come out into the vodka that's what it's really good at anytime you're gonna make like an herbal tincture or something like that like an infused liquor you're probably gonna use something neutral like vodka or grain liquor and then put some natural thing into it to pull the, the flavors out of it. So that's what you're doing here. Uh, and then you're going to add that mixture to the big shaker, and then you're going to shake it all again and double strain it into a coupe glass. A coupe glass. So, like, what, what does that look like? I'm, I'm not very familiar. It's like, it's shaped kind of like a martini glass, but it's almost like half circle shaped instead of, like, V-shaped, you know, like your classic martini glass is going to be. Oh, okay. So they're like the, uh, like the half moon glasses that Dumbledore wears. A little bit like that, except they're full of booze, just like Dumbledore. I, 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 I want to live in a world where Dumbledore was just fucking sloshed, like, the entire See, time. That's the secret, is that among all the J.K. Rowling revisionism, she also went back and said, Dumbledore is plastered the entire time. <laughs> Don't just... Harry, this is... Ah, Harry, you put your name in the Goblet of Fire. Uh, <laughs> bad, <laughs> bad time. Uh, you're gonna garnish it with a lemon peel. So uh, the difference between using a lemon peel and a lemon wedge is that you're gonna get like a peeler, you know, like you would use on a potato or a carrot or something, and you're just gonna pull a big piece of the yellow part of the peel off, and you're gonna leave kind of that white pith behind. Just leave it right on the top. Uh, the oils in the lemon peel are gonna kind of come with it when you do that, so you're gonna get that fragrant lemon scent off the top of the glass. That's also how they make Febreze. Awesome. Uh, it is Dumbledore not. was not <laughs> using that. <laughs> just, just for everyone's reference. Um, if you're running out of booze and uh, you can't get to the store because, you know, COVID-19 or whatever, uh, do not start drinking Febreze. At least start with mouthwash first. There you go. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to give you all the different ways that I know how to use mouthwash to get drunk. I've never done that before, but I'm aware of several different ways. It, it's it's fascinating what people have figured out. Anyway, continue. That's it. That's the end of the cocktail. So you just double strain it out. You want to get those little bits and pieces of like uh, lemon pulp and mm -hmm. uh, ginger root out of it. You don't want that in your finished product. Um, so what you get is kind of like a yellow tart drink. Uh, the Drambuie is going to give it a little bit more of that herbal flavor. And the Cointreau is going to be a little bit more complex than, say, a triple sec. But again, if you got triple sec, you're going to get the experience just fine. I, I'm not going to get into that again. Jesus Christ. All right. Well, thank you, John. Um, we'll, we'll be sipping on these. We'll be enjoying them. Uh, I'm definitely going to glug one down really quick now because uh, we have to introduce our good friend, Frank Synopsis. Frank, how you doing? 
Oh, I'm doing just fine. Uh, I'm glad I'm in here again. Yeah, I, yeah, you're in here again. I'll uh, probably get some air conditioning. Uh, I know there's a lot of trees in Central Park, but, uh, you know, I'm sure you have a hard time finding them considering most people are probably out underneath them and they probably don't want you near them. Well, you know, one beautiful thing about this whole uh, issue that the world is facing right now is that, uh, believe it or not, there really aren't that many people out there in Central Park. Oh, okay. So it's just like you and like the raccoons? Yeah, yeah, for the most part. Oh, okay. All right. So, Frank, you live in New York City a long time. Uh, yes, how, I have. How, how was the mob in New York City back in, like, you know, the 20s and 30s? Well, liquor has uh, always been a point of contention for me. Uh, I've never really been uh, without it. And okay. uh, th- that's been a big part of my personality. So when they outlawed it back in the day, that was, uh, that was a major hit for me. And I became a little involved in the crime world myself. Oh, okay. So were you just involved just to get your booze? Or were you involved, uh, or did it become like a thing where you just enjoyed it too much? Well, you see, I I needed it, and uh, there was about 10 years of sweating that was done there before it uh, it came back. Every now and again, you can find a drunk on the street and put a little uh, maple syrup tap in him and get some out of his belly. Uh, uh what? <laughs> so, like, did this alcohol just sit in the stomach like that, Frank? Like, uh, I mean, I didn't think that's how that worked, but you've definitely been on this earth longer than I have, so. Well, if you find them just freshly laid down, sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. Um, I think you're drinking belly button, Lynn, and I don't know if I like that or not. Um... If you like it, that's cool, but uh, whatever it meant. So, did you get to watch Scarface? Oh, of course I did. All right. Why don't you go ahead and tell me about Scarface really quick, Frank? All right. In 1920s Prohibition-era Chicago, an Italian immigrant with a scar on his right cheek, Tony Clemente, is enlisted to help Johnny Lovo run beer speakeasies. Tony quickly runs up the ranks in the mafia and soon has everything he wants. Money, cars, his boss's girlfriend, his sister out of trouble, and a brand new fleet of Tommy guns. What could go wrong? Beautiful. Thank you, Frank. Um... So you can go ahead and pick up your uh, your allowance over there on the table. Um, if you need booze, man, just ask John. Like, you don't have to drink people's belly button li- liquor, man. Well, you know, everybody's got their drink of choice, so uh, I'll be seeing you later. All right. Bye, Frank. Oh, all right. Jesus Christ, John. We got we got a lot to get through today. Are you ready? Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I'm here. Um, I think we need to get some of those steel shutters like Tony Clemente had to keep Frank out. Um, well, I don't think they really work for Tony Camante either. Uh, his, uh, sister-girlfriend definitely got murdered anyway. I really don't like the term sister-girlfriend. Again, with this whole, like, Pornhub wrongdoing thing. Yeah, it's- that ended up being more relevant than I thought it would. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's- we'll get into it. It's- it- the- the- the fucking relationship between, uh, Tony and Seska is very strange. Alright, so anyway, you know, sister-girlfriends aside, we're gonna get right into, like, the- basic info the wikipedia info like if you pull if you looked up scarface from 1932 on wikipedia it'd be right there you wouldn't have to listen to me say it but you're gonna listen to me say it because you're a lazy fuck that's Mm -hmm. why this part's in the that's why this part's in here because i can't trust all of you to go do your cursory research all right so Scarface was directed by Howard Hawks and produced by Howard Hawks and Howard Hughes uh and I know that would make you think that he might be related to John Hughes he is not Ah, but he is related to all the other Howards in the film. Yes, all the Howards are connected. (laughs) The screenplay is uh, by W.R. Burnett, uh, John Lee Myhin, (laughs) Seton I. Miller, and Ben Haish. I got Haish right, but none of the other ones. I cannot believe that. Nice. I mean, you know what, man? It was a different time. Uh, The names were different, you know? Yeah, they they hadn't become bastardized yet. Because, you know, like, everyone's, like, either a Graham, a Smith, a, uh, um... What what, what are some other, like, really basic bitch last names? Um, uh... Edison. Edison? I've never met an Edison, but... Uh, Crawford. Crawford? Jesus Christ. Fuck you, John. (laughs) All right, um... Um, so Scarface is based on, you guessed it, Scarface by Armitage Trail. Um, and this movie stars Paul Mooney as Tony Camante. Uh, he was born in 1895. You know what's crazy, though, is that in, like, the year 2120, people will look back at us and be like, wow, they were born in 1995? Well, they'll say that about you. I was born in 94. Ah, yeah. Well, same whatever, difference. same difference. Yeah, exactly. I, I know. It's just, it's like... 
Wow, he was, uh, when you're, when you're watching this movie, you don't think that anyone in it would have been born in the 1800s, but, uh, you'd be fucking wrong. Yep. All right, so, Ann Dovrick as, uh, Seska Kamate, uh, Osgood Perkins as Johnny Lovo, uh, Karen Morley as Poppy, George Raft as Guino Ronaldo, and, of course, our boy, you know him, you love him, he's, uh, he's Frankenstein, he's, uh, he, at one point he was a Dracula, his name is Boris fucking Karloff, and he plays Tom Gaffney. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and say he doesn't play Frankenstein, we know. Uh, we, he plays Jeffrey. He plays Jeffrey. He plays the man that Frankenstein, of the Frankenstein's monster eventually become. Um, yes. Although, on the promotional material for this movie, he is credited as Boris Frankenstein Karloff. Nice. And, like, if you didn't know that, like, he was Frankenstein, I feel like he would read very strangely. Yeah, yeah, I, I believe that. Like, what is he, like, a, an amalgamation of different actors that they, like, stapled together to make this one guy it's it's just so weird that like he's so closely associated with that even though like his filmography is basically endless mm-hmm. i guess frankenstein is his biggest name but it's not like we call um you know robert downey jr we don't call him like robert iron man downey jr even though that sounds badass as fuck that sounds like a wrestler name yeah yeah that's true uh <laughs> iron man yeah you're, you're right that does actually sound like a really good wrestler name yeah and or like um you know ralph the karate kid machio like we don't do that anymore no so- no I, I we have the internet now so we can just look people up you can just scan the the QR code reader in your phone over the actor's face from the advertisement. <laughs> it is weird. Like, uh, the, the, the Facebook facial recognition technology is at uh, the end of humanity. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's going to happen. Uh, the Marty robots from Giant Foods are going to take over. Oh, God. Uh, we don't have those out here. Uh, the California governor has outlawed them uh, because they are taking jobs away from Californians uh, <laughs> because apparently they care about that or something. Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> I made something. that up. That That's not a real thing. <laughs> I was going to say that that is very interesting i want to get into that off the air but um all right so let's finish this up uh the music by the music was by adolf tandler and gus arhim arnim arnim okay cinematography by lee garns and lw o'connell uh Mm. i think he should i think that he should have uh i think he should have picked one initial yeah okay i mean you have c.s lewis you have J.R.R. tolkien and then you have lw o'connell uh lw o'connell has to be a guy that was born in the 19th century he had to have been born in the 1800s. Yeah, because it like I I when I when I hear the name L W O'Connell, like I just imagine a guy twirling a cane and like twirling his mustache. Yeah, yeah, he's like the H H Holmes of cameras. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's my favorite joke we've ever made on here. The H.H. Holmes of cameras. I like it. Cinematography director L.W. (laughs) O'Connell. Oh, God. All right. This film was edited by Edward Curtis. The production company was the Cadeau Company. It was distributed Ah. by our friends United Artists. Um, And its release date was April 9th, 1932. It has an approximate running time of 95 minutes, so there's no excuse not to watch it. And uh, its uh, box office was six hundred thousand dollars in nineteen thirty-two money, and that would be eleven million two hundred ninety thousand three hundred seventy-nine dollars in twenty twenty money. Right. So a, a sizable amount, you know. Uh, I know back then distribution wasn't quite what it was later on, so these huge smash hits were not really possible. Exactly. Like Gone with the Wind was like the first of its kind. Like it was just like Jesus Christ, that movie did bonkers amount of money. Right, because if there's one thing people like, it's, uh, it's movies that don't age well. (laughs) This is a timeless classic. What do you mean it's offensive to people? Uh, you forget, you forget that those things are not mutually exclusive, sir. Yes, that's true. In fact, many times they're not. Yeah, it's, it's never mutually exclusive. It's all, it's always like fucking god damn it i just wish people would just leave gone with the wind like just like just like let it die like it's not even that good of a movie i haven't seen it shocker all right so let's get right into the stuff you guys come here for let's let's dig into a little scarface here uh let's start at its humble beginnings uh in the 1930s a pre Hayes Code gangster films were all the rage flooding movie theater patrons with uh tales of mob life guns and a beautiful italian women uh the like the likes of which included a little caesar from 1931 and the public enemy also from 1931 enter howard hughes 
a wealthy business tycoon who made his money off multiple ventures in the film industry from the 1920s until the 1950s, at one time owning a large stake in RKO Pictures. See, what they didn't know about Little Caesar and the Public Enemy was that uh, 90 years later in the year 2020, they're the same thing. <laughs> Little Caesar's Public Enemy number one. Jesus Christ. Uh, Pete, like, you know, they Pizza Hut has its employees go and throw Molotov cocktails inside of Little Caesar's because Pizza Hut and Domino's just can't figure out how to make a $5 pizza. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the Papa John's guys drive by sometimes, but that's the thing. Little Caesar's, they don't even have employees anymore. They just have those big things that they put the pizza boxes in that you can just open up and grab a pizza and leave i don't like that we don't have that out here of course i haven't been to a little caesar's in a while right uh, i think the only thing worth going to little caesar's for is the jalapeno cheesy bread it is fucking delicious you know i'm sure you'll be able to get automated jalapeno cheesy bread in the near future uh oh, that's man. where they're going with it soon it will just be a giant vending machine with one guy in the back that just sits there and watches the cctvs <laughs> Oh god, I hope they I hope they give him something else to watch. All right. So, hot up the financial and critical success of Hughes's film The Front Page from 1931. Hughes wanted to produce a gangster movie to end all gangster movies. And where else could you go to for inspiration than real-life gangster Al Capone and its infamous uh, St. Valentine's Day massacre? Ah, uh, yes, and the streets ran red with ragu. <laughs> That's the place where the ragu was born. What, the streets of Chicago? I, I don't care. What I do don't care anymore. <laughs> I don't care. If you use ragu pasta sauce, fuck you. Grow up. <laughs> um, alright. Hot takes. Hot takes. Um, there's just so much, like, it, at least go Classico. It costs, Classico is the good stuff. It costs the same, and it tastes, like, way better. Like, why would you use ragu? Ragu has fucking onions in it. Do you want goddamn onions in your pasta sauce? No the fuck you don't. I think we're gonna split pretty hard on this one, because I like onions in my pasta sauce. Oh, we're not friends. Uh, you know what, man? If that's what it's gonna be, like, it, <laughs> look, the onions and the garlic, you know, the fire roasted garlic. Garlic, it, it's a it's a good flavor combo. I understand. Like, okay, so you need onion flavor to like make a good pasta sauce, but you don't need little like chunks of onion in there. Like, cause I hate it when I'm eating pasta and then like I get that onion crunch. Ugh, I hate oh, see, that. I hate. I that like shit. it. You know, you know, zoodles, zucchini noodles. I'm not a big fan of zoodles. I I've, yeah, I've I'm had, not either. I've had a couple I, zoodles that are good. Use an onion and make noodles out of onions. That is that is an atrocity. Who would do this? I, I don't know if it's possible. Possible, but now I want to like, like what, like what, like what, do you, what kind of sauce do you put on onion noodles? Or I guess we'll call them oodles. Uh, yeah, you put uh, marinara because it's essentially just a dressed down onion ring salad. <laughs> I figured you just put fish oil on there because you know who cares at that point. Hey, <laughs> all right, on to happier times. Um, <laughs> Hughes bought the rights to the film from uh, Armitage Trail. Uh, the bu the book was published in 1930. Um, and because it was also written in inspired by the life of Al Capone. Uh, and the novel was actually a lot longer and had some uh, more interesting plot points <laughs> mm -hmm. that I'm going to detail here. Uh, so, right, like how uh, Al Capone had a below average IQ. Right, he did. And uh, that just goes to prove that anyone can make it in America. Absolutely anyone. Yes, all you need is a gun and to have a weird thing with your sister. Hey, man, uh, you let the gun do the talk. What does he say in the movie? Um, I had it right here. Hang on. Um, there's only one thing that gets orders and gives orders. Ah, my sister. <laughs> my sister. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about that. Uh, so, like, the incestual bullshit between Tony and Seska is a little more uh, prominent in the novel. So is this just like a touchy-feely, like, old world thing, like, that came from Europe? Because they're, like, first-generation Italian-Americans. So is that just a thing that they did or do? I guess. I mean, like, I think it's supposed to be a commentary on, like, how overprotective certain people can be over, like, especially, like, younger female siblings or, um, you know, like, just siblings in general where it's, like, what like like tony specifically like he won't let seska talk to any men period and right. discussion like why like why wouldn't you want her to like you know find someone to marry and get married and have kids and all that like why wouldn't you be happy for her the only explanation could be that you want to fuck her yourself ah uh, that's kind of dark um but all right yeah i get it yeah i, mean, I, I it's, guess uh, the, the the way that i guess females got treated back then is th th like you know it's 
for lack of a better term, like, Tony, maybe he was thinking, like, okay, I might have to use her as a pawn to, like, you know, like, get her married to maybe a rival gang, so that way I can, like, quelch a beef. Ah, I see where you're going with that. And so, uh, yeah. if she's out there, you know, just fucking random dudes, like, no one's gonna want her. And I'm not saying that that's right. I'm saying that that's... It was this, 1930. This is 1930, so that's the only thing that I could think of to, like, justify I think like, the 2020 equivalent might be that, uh, instead of going around and dancing with all the men, Cheska would have, like, an OnlyFans. Oh, God. Let's not go there. Although, I do think it's, uh, if we could get off topic for just one second. Uh, so you heard about uh, Disney um, is making people pay $30 to watch the live action Mulan, right? I did not hear about that. I thought you were going to say that Disney is buying OnlyFans in addition to Fox Searchlight. Um, well, A, they already own Fox Searchlight. And B, uh, I don't know what Disney's like stake in that would be. <laughs> That'd be very interesting. But no, so like basically you, you, you pay $8 a month for Disney Plus. And so now they're gonna release um mulan but you have to pay 30 dollars extra for it but you can only watch it if you keep your disney plus account open so yeah that's a hard pass it's a hard pass and i was just like i never really thought that i would see disney go after the only fans model it's, yeah it's very interesting i'm uh <laughs> I, i'm here to see what's gonna happen i will not be paying 30 dollars to watch mulan i will wait until it's uh maybe it's on blu-ray around christmas yeah. time and i can pick it up for you know ten dollars uh yeah you heard it here first disney stocks are gonna tank uh motley fool uh that's me i am motley fool uh says buy up buy while prices are low jesus actually that's not true i am not associated with the motley fool i am not a stockbroker. i am not an investor you should not take my advice just like how i'm also not a doctor and you should drink responsibly actually that's what i was gonna tell you is like actually their um their stocks actually went up during all of this oh uh, wow so now we know who's benefiting from the plague yeah it, uh, uh, yeah yeah listen i like disney as like a creative team i don't like them as a kind uh-huh all right i'll keep that in mind as we go down the oh there's so many more things i could say we're not gonna we gotta we gotta move on yeah we'll, we'll do a whole uh how evil is disney thing later um all right so in the novel tony actually has a cop brother uh this is how he gets away with all the murders uh the hayes office uh, like i said not yet put into power forbid this plot point in the movie because it would have uh, presented police officers as a uh, corrupt human beings god forbid the chicago pd of the 1930s <laughs> be associated with any kind of corruption god oh, yeah. forbid <laughs> it's almost like if you don't want to be portrayed a certain way you just shouldn't be shitty it, y y oh wow you know what I think you're onto something, John. Maybe we could all learn. Maybe we could all learn and be better. Jesus Christ. Yeah, just uh, if you don't want to, if you don't want people to call you dumb and corrupt, maybe you shouldn't be dumb and corrupt. There you go. Yeah, it's almost like there's a direct correlation between the two. Jeez, what a what what a what an anomaly. Anyway, uh, the film portrays Tony as dim-witted, as a dim-witted, smooth talker. While in the novel, he's actually very intelligent, and uh, the conflict of his intelligence and empathy comes more into question. Okay, so uh, maybe this is where he diverges paths from uh, your boy Al Capone, who again had an IQ of like uh, like eighty, I think. Yeah, like in, in the novel, he's actually like pretty smart. Like he he knows what he's doing. It's just the like the longer he does it, the less e the less empathy he has. So like it's almost like the mob is taking his conscience, huh? And that's why he murders all these people. But you know. <sighs> They made Tony just a big dum-dum in the film to make it seem as if gangsters were all, like, a barely understandable, borderline idiotic immigrants. Right, right. Uh, not not a good look in hindsight. No, and it's, I mean, th this is the one thing where, like, I, I know, you know, we kind of do the dumb Italian thing a lot. But, like, it, it is kind of sad how Italians are portrayed in um, movies from this era. Yes, always powerful. Yeah, Not even always powerful, but, like, dumb. Like, they always portray them as either, like dumb like good looking guys who you know are in the mob or you know own like a deli or something or they're like barely understandable grandmothers yeah yeah you know they have a condition that we sometimes call spaghetti brain right and it's just 
Jesus Christ. I'm going to have no family left at the end of this. Hey, um, I have spaghetti brain too. Don't don't you think for a second I don't like food. We appreciate everything that the Italians do. Well, <laughs> most things. The bunga bunga is bad. Except we don't really know who made Olive Garden. We don't know who did that. Whoever made no. Olive Garden, fuck you. I think they just pop up like fungus. They do. Like, they're just a network underground. But you, <laughs> they just pop up in the parking lots of shopping malls. But you know what I've noticed? In any town there's an Olive Garden, there's a Carabas. And if you're not, if you're going to Olive Garden and not Carabas, I don't know what the fuck's wrong with you. They cost the same amount of money, and Carabas is easily way better. Yeah, I think the only reason you should ever go to the Olive Garden is for the bar or for the unlimited soup, salad, and breadsticks. But even that's not exclusive to Olive Garden. And unless you just need that much soup in your life, I don't really see a need for it. No, I don't either. But, like, the salad is pretty good. I gotta admit. Salad at Olive Garden is usually fairly decent. And uh, they're a uh, chicken yoki soup. Anytime I go there, that's what I get. Because I'm not paying $17.99 for a fucking plate of chicken parm that they made in the microwave. Yeah, I, uh, I think that... <sighs> I don't even know. I haven't been to an Olive Garden in like 10 years. My wife refuses to go there. Yeah, I mean, it's it's shitty Italian food. It, it is what it is. Maybe maybe when we get together one day, when this isn't all when this all this uh, horribleness is over, John, I will take you to Olive Garden. Well, not before we go to Applebee's and get as drunk as they will allow us to get. We, we do really need to do that experiment. We need to find out exactly how drunk we can get at Applebee's before they kick us out. <laughs> anyway, we have to move on. Uh, casting proved rather difficult because most studios wouldn't lend out their talent to, uh, independent productions. And, uh, Clark Gable was actually thrown around for the role of Tony, but Hawks thought he was more of a personality than an actor. Which, uh, I'm not gonna get into, uh, how much of an insult that is, but it is a wicked fucking burn. Um... <laughs> Paul Mooney was discovered by casting agent Al Rosen while performing in a Broadway play. What Broadway play? I don't know. The internet's really shitty sometimes. Uh, he suggested him for the title role to Hawks, who approved. Ah, very nice. Uh, you think back then they just had musicals that just never got recorded or never got... Oh, yeah, know. absolutely. Um, I mean, the first musical kind of came out around, like, 1909. So, like, there's, there's a lot of musicals that are not... You know, it's basically lost media yeah okay that makes, that's kind of like uh what is it uh london after midnight uh sure i don't know what that is <laughs> uh it's some lost horror film i don't know it had a uh, lon cheney in it i don't know one of those guys it oh, was man. this era lon cheney yeah, I, I, I figured they would have saved that. Oh, well. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about the filming of this movie. I couldn't find a whole lot, but I did find some interesting things. Uh, filming lasted for six months, which by 1930s Hollywood standards was a very long time. Uh, mm -hmm. Howard Hughes uh, stayed off the set as much as possible to give Howard Hawks as much freedom to make the film exciting. So he didn't want to have to like come in and be a producer like, oh, you can't do this. It's going to cost too much money. It's just Haw Hawks is just like, all right, here's the bill. And Hughes is like, oh, okay. Nice, nice. He he's being a bit of a gangster there. Hell yeah! I wouldn't be surprised if this was a with this was a mob front film. <laughs> I like it. Uh, so it's a big money laundering operation. Oh yeah, totally. I, a lot of things in Hollywood are. Anyway, yeah, uh, I also maybe this is not the place to talk about it. Maybe we'll hit on this later, but just it it comes off as a little preachy and a little political. Oh, absolutely. And we're I mean, as soon as we're done talking about this, I promise we're gonna talk about it. Okay. It's, it, it's there's a reason that that happens. Uh, so filming took place at these three locations around L.A. Uh, Metropolitan Studios, owned by Samuel Goldwyn in the 1930s, and it's now just known as The Lot. Nice. Harold Lloyd Studios, which I couldn't find a whole lot on. Um, I just know that it definitely was a studio and it definitely did exist and Scarface definitely shot there. Um, and uh, the Mayan Theater, which still stands today and is considered a, or not considered, it is a historical landmark of L.A., Oh, fun. I'll have to go there sometimes when I go back to that godforsaken hellscape of a city. <laughs> what do you mean I have to pay $14,000 a month for this apartment and it doesn't even have a goddamn refrigerator in it? It's awesome, dude. I love it. I love standing in puddles of human urine. Oh, God. L.A. is such a strange place. All right, so I'm actually going to do good on one of those promises I made earlier. And we're going to talk about that scene where uh, the O'Hara gang comes and shoots up the diner. Uh, so yeah. this effect was actually achieved by first filming the scenes leading up to the shooting with the actors and then have everyone step back as um, real cars with real machine guns come and shoot up the diner <laughs> and they film it. 
And um, then they took that, projected that um, footage on top of a uh, set that was in front of it, and then shot <laughs> the scene with the actors. Uh, okay. So you mean to tell me that there's a stage that's the inside of the diner. Yes. And through the windows, there is a screen that they are playing that other thing on. Yes. Oh, I see. So it's like that rolling background car thing, except way more violent. Except way more violent and real. Like, so all the gunshots <laughs> you're hearing in that scene are absolutely 100% real. I love it. I, I love 1930s cinema. <laughs> insane. Absolutely insane. All right. So let's talk about the censorship of this film for a little bit. Um, this is, this is where the bulk of it is, by the way. Just so, just so you guys know, we're gonna, we're gonna be here for a second. Alright, so Scarface was released in the pre-code era of Hollywood, referring to the Hayes Code, which I've, uh, which, eh, sorry, which was implemented in 1934, two years before, two years after this movie. As I've said before, the Hayes Code was implemented to make all films more family and general audience friendly. Uh, there were no ratings, just approved or not approved film. In the pre-code era, films that were, that were quote-unquote too nasty for the people would not get certification from the Hayes Board. This would not prevent them from being shown in major theaters, however. Ah. And the Hayes Board had a lot had a lot against Scarface. Namely, the almost shoot there's there's almost a shooting per every 10 minutes in the um in the film of uh, the overt sexuality between Tony and Seska, fair, and uh, the overall glorification of gangster life. I it, even by today's standards, one of the scenes I think they're driving, I guess it's a Model T, I don't know, they're driving a car on the street, they throw a guy out of the car and then shoot him. After they throw him out of the moving car, it was it was Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> that is GTA Five. It's ridiculous. They might as well have like came out with a bat and bashed his brains in and ran him over. I'm kind of surprised there weren't more bats in the film. I guess guns were cooler. I guess they were trying to make a point. Yeah, guns were cooler back then. Um, if you hit someone with a baseball bat, I guess it was kind of a waste of a good baseball bat, maybe. Yeah, yeah, you can't get that uh, American hickory, you know. You can't get it all bloody. You have to sand the blood off afterwards. Jesus Christ. Don't ask me how I know that. I don't want to know why you know that. <laughs> um, alright, so. Hawks took out several scenes, including the scene where Tony hits, uh, Seska and rips her dress. Uh, overdubs Seska's lines after Tony kills Guino. Uh, she says... Uh, it, you know, in the film, she says, uh, murderer, you're a murderer. But that's actually an overdub because you can clearly see her uh, mouthing the words Scarface. Huh. And uh, they actually had to create a new ending for the film to get it to pass the Hayes, the Hayes Code. Or, the, sorry, the Hayes, uh, what the fuck ever. I, I hate the Hayes people. <laughs> um, so the original ending involves Tony giving himself to the police, having a lengthy trial, and being executed at the end. The Hayes office wanted him to die horribly to show that there was no other way to pay for his crimes. Right. Uh, we're just gonna gloss over all of that, uh, again, police corruption that was rampant back in the day. Uh, you know, that be maybe people should have died horribly for their crimes maybe or maybe we you know we could just have a justice system that works maybe we could have a um you know a rehabilitation center that works but you know what that's not a conversation for this podcast you're right we can't get into how our reptile government is harvesting our suffering <laughs> in the form of organ energy i <laughs> that's why it is zach that just come out and say it that's why it sucks I don't know what the Oregon energy is, but um, I'll I'll let you have this one, Johnny. <laughs> All right, so uh, the movie never mentions the name Scarface, and it was because it was too obscene? Uh, question mark. <laughs> right, that's what's obscene about the movie. Yep. Uh, other names uh, that were you know thought of for this film would have been the menace uh or shame of the nation or uh, my favorite yellow all right so cold play obviously would do the soundtrack if it was called <laughs> yellow uh shame of the nation i uh I, I, a little on the nose with, with kind of the, the preachy mm -hmm. nature of it oh yeah for sure uh <laughs> And this film is yellow. Anyway. Yeah, um, I think Menace, they would also have to, like, rename Tony to be Dennis. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, it gives a whole new angle on the Dennis the Menace uh, character. Oh, man. We, we that, That's what we need. That's what we need in this world. We need a gritty Dennis the Menace reboot. Right. It's like what they've done with Riverdale and Archie, except in this one, Dennis the Menace actually massacres a bunch of people with a Thompson submachine gun. Good lord. Uh, Dennis the Menace. <laughs> he's, 
after 30 years of just, you know, constant berations from his neighbor and just bullshit his entire life, he becomes a serial killer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like Duke Nukem. <laughs> He's just a serial killer. Don't call the Venice. And then you just see a slingshot coming from, like, you know, the behind the curtains. Amazing. I, it's I'm, amazing. I'm so down for this. Let, let's make it. It's like Born Identity meets, like, uh, you know, Scarface meets Dennis the Menace meets, like, Garfield. Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm not ready for that conversation. <laughs> All right, so... John, you, you were talking a lot about the uh, the preachiness of this movie. Like it just feels like they're talking down to people. Yes. All right, so let's let's talk about the biggest inference of that, which is uh, the uh, the opening scroll to the film. Uh, so the Hayes board also asked them to put that note at the beginning of the film to denounce gang culture. Um, uh. And I'm gonna read it verbatim to you here. <clears throat> This picture is an indictment of gang rule in America and all of the callous indifference of the government to its constantly increasing menace to our safety and our liberty. Every incident in this picture is a reproduction of an actual occurrence and the purpose of this picture is to demand of the government what are you going to do about it? The government is your government. What are you going to do about it? I love it. I love every time that we try to do this. I love that it works out. You know, I love how we demonize marijuana, and now we have people serving life sentences for selling a bag of weed. For selling, like, probably what would amount to half of a shitty joint. Yeah, like, it, it is astounding to me that where this went. Because if this is the beginning of it, and I don't know that it is, it's been a rough ride. It, it's been an incredibly rough ride, because... I, I'm just just going to blanketly state how I feel about this. The fact that there is a war on any kind of drug in this country is completely the government's fault. The The reason that anyone is addicted to drugs is also partially the government's fault. Because, Agreed. you know what? If they would have if they would have never made heroin illegal, a lot of people would have taken a shit ton of heroin, died from it, and everyone would have been like, hey, don't take heroin. But instead, right, like the government had to step in and then they do experiments on people with heroin, get them addicted to heroin. Now they can't not have it, so they got to find a way to get it. And who gives it to them? Probably the same scientists they were giving it to them. Right. It's like Jenkum. There was never a war on Jenkum. You know why? Because it's stupid. You don't need a war on Jenkum. Uh, by the way, for those of you who don't know what Jenkum is, I'll just save you the Google search. Uh, it's literally you shit in a bag, you bury it underground for like a, a couple days. And then you huff the shit steam, and apparently it gets you really high. <laughs> right. Uh, we're not responsible for this information causing any kind <laughs> of physical or, like, monetary damages. <laughs> Please, don't, just don't do it. Like, that, that's, there's a reason you haven't heard of it. If, yeah. if it was perfectly safe to do so, I, I think everybody would do it. Like, it, it's that simple. Exactly, exactly. Uh, you would have like a nice little Etsy thing that you could buy that holds your jenkum, and you put the whole tray in the ground, you know, and then you pull it out later, and it's like Friday night jenkum versus like Friday night Jenga. You know, which, which one would you prefer? I, I guess I'd go to Friday night Jenga, but that sounds like it's like at a retirement home. I'm good on that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so basically, th they made them put this uh tight this whole spiel in the movie. It's like so. It's like just in case anyone was wondering that we don't agree with this. Now you know for sure. We right. Do not just in case you couldn't this. figure it out because everyone fucking dies. Everybody fucking dies. Anybody who took any money from Tony fucking dies. Right. Except the government. Except for the government, they probably got all of his money after this. So, who really won here? It's crazy. And honestly, you know, th this is maybe a bit close to the beginning of a long legacy of using film this way. You know, you got, like, your Michael Moore types that are literally just made of Big Macs. Uh, you got people <laughs> that are uh, mad at the plastic in the ocean, which is understandable. But, like, I, it, there's a bunch of stuff out there that is uh -huh. just kind of preachy and kind of not cool and this is a little cringy looking back on this now it it is it not all of the film is cringy i do think it's a well-crafted film despite all of this but it it definitely doesn't help like when i first saw that i was like are you fucking serious 
Yeah. Like, like it feels like they're talking down to you. Exactly. And maybe that's how it was then. Uh, they couldn't just go on Live Leak and watch a cartel saw a guy's head off and be like, yep, that's what the drug world's like. I guess so. so. Uh, don't do it. <laughs> they have to make sure people know, like, this is not a good life. Like, you don't want to do this. Right, right. But instead, they made him a millionaire living in a penthouse with steel shutters and a bunch of guns because he's, like, cool. And all the ladies want him. Whereas all they needed to do was watch Live Leak. All they needed to do was watch a guy get sawed in half. Exactly. So just <laughs> just watch Live Leak and you won't need to be preached to. Oh, God, we need to move on. All right, so the other interesting thing I found was that despite taking place in Chicago, the film actually did not premiere there until 1941 because it did not pass the Chicago Film Review Board. They had their own local film review board. Yeah, probably to keep shit like this out of the theaters. I... <sighs> What, was this going to be like a thing where people like riot afterwards? Is that what they were worried about? I, were they worried about the cows kicking over some more lanterns and their war on beef? The war on beef. Beef, is it in you or the enemy? <laughs> beef, it's what was for dinner. Oh, God. I hate that they have those ads. Again, we are so off base, but that maybe is the most aggravating thing that I have encountered in the past couple of years are the ads. It's like beef. It's what's for dinner. Like, beef needed an ad. Yeah. <laughs> we, we just needed people to buy that much more beef. The beef lobby is making ads? The beef lobbyists. Did they need... Like, who, who is this for? Who's going to watch this and be like, you know what, man? You're right. Beef is what's for dinner. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. I'm going to go buy some beef now. Yeah, because it's like, beef from where? You're not, you're not any beef. Just... Literally any beef. It's just an industry ad. Like, could you imagine? Be like, tires. It's where you go with. Or like, just like, <laughs> like, yep, that's true. Yeah, I do use tires on my car. I don't know what kind, just tires. Soap. It might just be the thing that don't kill you. Right? Like, yep, th that's true. I do wash my hands with soap. It is proven that that is a good thing to do for your health. Thanks, big soap. Big soap. The soap industry. The soap industry. The soap lobby coming out here and washing away all of my liberty. Oh, God. And, and you know, you know there would be somebody out there that would have that opinion. Anyway. Looking at you, Johnson & Johnson. Oh, God. <laughs> all right. We have to move on. All right. So let's talk about the legacy of this film for a little bit. Um, So, of course, the film was remade in uh, 1983 by Brian De Palma and starring Al Pacino. Uh, I'm sure that's why most people are listening to this. Uh, people fucking love that movie, and we will get to it next week. Um, Scarface was actually pretty much the sole reason that the Hayes Code came into existence. Like, mm. movies like this, uh, people were fucking pissed. About the movie? About the movie, just because it was so goddamn violent, for even for that time. Look... I'm pretty sure this is the same time period where the Belgian government was hacking the hands off of African slave workers because they wouldn't collect enough cocoa beans. And we're mad about this. Oh, yeah, because Americans are always worried about what's going on on their soil. But they're not worried about what's actually going on on their soil. They're worried about, what about the children? What about the children? See, 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 see the guy uh, kissing his sister and, uh, you know, they're killing the people. What, 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 what about, what if they see it? And I'm just like, what, what if you just, like, monitor what your children watch <laughs> right or maybe if you just told them like hey that that's not good i mean he died you don't want to die right hey, don't do that yeah, hey you want to die don't do the mob stuff it's right? that simple good god dude like <laughs> that that's a whole other thing we'll have to get into i think we should just do a whole censorship series oh yeah just where we talk about censorship and how much bullshit it is hey, you know what maybe we can talk about some really infamous films i know we have a, a big heavy hitter on the horizon oh yes a big heavy hitter just in time for Halloween. We will get there. And it, censorship is definitely going to be the name of the game there. Uh, or the, with, uh, we're talking about Cannibal Holocaust, but for. Yeah, we're for, talking about Cannibal Holocaust. For, for, the, for the, the lack thereof of censorship. Uh, because no one could be bothered to censor any of it. You know what? I might understand a little bit with that one. Yeah, it's, it's pretty intense. So if you have never watched Cannibal Holocaust, just know it's on the horizon. Uh, watch it before you get to us about it. Anyway. Be careful. Don't eat a bunch of spaghetti while you're watching.
watching it. Don't eat a bunch. Don't eat it all. Make sure you have an empty stomach. Um, it because they are emptying other people's stomachs on there, and that might cause you to empty yours. I'm I'm wasting all of my good material. We have to stop. All right. <laughs> all right. So, uh, and as I said before, uh, the film was placed in the National Archives in 1994. So, uh, damn near like 62 years later. Yeah. Um, that's how that it, works, though. I agree. The National Archives might be a little bit more regulated. Uh, these types of things don't seem to be very timely. Like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was really late getting like I don't know Simon and Garfunkel in there or like Nirvana or the and they Cure. had a bunch of weird trivial artists that made it in before Nirvana. They had uh, the Cure just now last year made it in. How? Right. I, I I'm pretty sure like Buck Cherry made it in before them or some bullshit like that. And I'm like what? I swear to God if Buck Cherry is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame I'm going to go in there and I'm going to shit over everything and hurt an animal. That is how angry that would make me. Speaking of Cannibal Holocaust. <laughs> All right, so t- just to kind of put a cap on today, let's talk about the, the themes of the, the film. So the first theme of the film is excess. Uh, in the film, Tony does everything to the extreme in the search of happiness and, uh, you know, content. Like he just wants to be happy. He wants the American dream. And th- I mean, and that's what most people who came to America in this era, that's what they wanted. They wanted a piece of the American dream. And then when they found out that, you know, most American established Americans are, you know, racist pieces of shit that aren't going to give immigrants the time of day. I mean, that's kind of what started the mob. Well, you know, we had the old world mob, and we have the new world mob, and, you know, the new world mob tells the old world mob they're not shit, and then the old world mob tells the new world mob they're not shit. They got it on both sides of the pond, you know, and it's, uh, there's a, there's a lot, the, the river, the, the street runs red with ragu. The street that's runs what I meant to red say. with ragu. I might have to change the title of the episode to The Streets Run Red with Ragu. Yes. Jesus Christ. All right, so the American dream. Uh, so the Tony's excesses are in pursuit of the American dream. Uh, he's an immigrant with something to prove, and he wants to be an American big shot, just like I said. Um, and uh, his big thing is the sign that's right outside of his window uh, that says, The world is yours. Uh, this is kind of <laughs> Tony's mantra. Uh, he believes that the world is truly his, and it's, it's his for the taking and nothing can stop him like it, it's almost like that's what makes him a serial killer essentially because that's essentially what he is in the movie yeah uh i would be interested to know where we draw lines between the two because clearly he has killed a bunch of people and he's you know had a bunch of people kill other people but i, I guess there's a difference between being like a jeffrey dahmer and being like a crime boss because i mean right jeffrey dahmer just did it because he wanted a he wanted a zombie he could bang oh, dear god yeah it's um yeah i can't remember exactly i don't remember what you would call someone like tony like just maybe a crazed individual he's not murdering for the sake of murdering he's murdering to get something that he wants mm-hmm. and so i don't i don't really know what you would call that um just a monster i guess i don't know a, a public menace a public menace a menace to society yes dennis <laughs> dennis the menace to society oh god uh, we need to make that movie that needs to exist yes the new edgy dark dennis the menace Oh, man. All right. And also, I thought, like, a big uh, thing that kind of permeates the film is uh, actually mental health. Uh, People like Tony ran the mob to its highest and lowest points. Uh, Most of these people were incredibly unstable, like, namely uh, Al Capone was an incredibly unstable man. And... You know, so it, it, it begs the question, like, are these people actually, like, legit, like, cuckoo? Like, are they insane? Like, does having that much money and that much power over a city just make you go fucking insane? Or were they insane to begin with? I think that the power changes people, uh, specifically power, and you know you can interpret having money as a form of power, but raw power, like, you know, where you can just say something and people do it, uh, is something else. And that does change people. I think that if you're already predisposed to maybe having those types of tendencies, and then you get put in a situation like that, it's not going to help you. No, absolutely not. And it's just... It's just crazy how, like, even just going outside of the movie, just how powerful the mob was at this time. And, like, most of the public didn't really know much about it. Like, they knew that the mob existed. They knew who, like, you know, the big players were. But it's kind of like they couldn't prove it. Mm -hmm. Like, Al Capone, people knew he was part of the mob. But they couldn't prove that he did anything wrong because he's good at covering his tracks. Yes. Yeah. And uh, that's... 
you never know when the guy selling hot dogs down the street in your favorite Chicago block is uh, a front for the mob. Maybe he's looking out. Maybe he's seeing if anybody's walking by that shouldn't be walking by. Right. Maybe he's got the Tommy gun tucked up inside that little hot dog thing. Maybe dragging through the garden is not just a way you can order your hot dog. Maybe that's what he will do to you if you cross him wrong. <laughs> He'll cover you in onions and peppers and relish and tomatoes and, you know, all that stuff. A Chicago-style hot dog. Um, yes. So, do you think... I've never... I guess I've never knowingly been to a mob front place. Like, are they usually, like, really shitty? Like, they're just not run really well? Or do you think that they run them extra well? Uh, I think it depends on the operation. I think if they're... Uh, it could be either one, and it's rarely in the middle. I've run across places where I was pretty sure that it was either a cartel or some kind of organized crime group that was running it. Because it'll be, like, weird shit. Like, um like like a pizza joint and then you're like this pizza's really shitty and this doesn't look like a restaurant at all <laughs> how are you in business how how is this happening that reminds me of uh Truett's pizza cafe in fayetteville georgia so it's uh it's it was owned by Truett cafe and it was a ah. pizza place and it had the apps it, it, it had pretty shitty pizza but you know what was the worst part Hmm. They had these shittiest chicken wings I've ever had in my life. And I thought if someone was going to do chicken wings right, it would be Chick-fil-A. No, absolutely not. And I Why was... do you think they're not on the regular menu? Exactly. I, I, there's something where they can't get it right, and I don't know what it is. Oh, All right, so that's about all I got on Scarface. John, do you have anything else to add? No, I don't. Again, uh, I'm not a uh, I'm not an investor professionally. I'm not a financial advisor. Don't take my advice on that. Also, not a doctor. Wash your hands. Um, don't slip in a puddle of ragu because that's a great way for the mob to cover up your murder. <laughs> we can't tell where the blood ends and the ragu begins. <laughs> oh, famous last words. Famous last words. All right. So for for your information, I'm Zach. And I'm John. Please go uh, like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Uh, give us five-star reviews so we can get more shitheads in here. Uh, come back next week where we're going to talk about the Al Pacino Scarface, the one that everybody actually likes. Uh, and while you're at it, make sure you watch a new movie this week. I know everyone's running out of shit to watch, but uh, try and find something new. It'll Even if it's bad, it'll make you feel better. All right. Bye, guys. <laughs>